into the contest. It's Tuesday the 12th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Shadwicker here filling in for Tim who is out sipping champagne, sitting on a on a golden chair, enjoying the rich things in life. I'm joined by co-host Shane Lee. How you doing, Shano? The Shad and Shane show. I like it. I like it, mate. <laughs> now, I hear you've been, you've been in Perth recently, mate. The uh, I paid a lot of cricket over there. They are very parochial. How'd you go in Perth? I've got to say, um, it's not amazing. <laughs> no, it's all. I'll tell you, you what happened. Did it locked out? I was fine. I think one of the things with Perth I, was a fascinating thing when I landed. I was trying to look at things to do, and mm-hmm. I saw a picture of an elephant doing a painting. Wow, and okay. I was like, oh, how cool. I'm going to see an elephant paint a picture. And then when I landed, uh, I found out that the elephant had died that day. <laughs> Missed it by this much. <laughs> right? Too much lead in the paint, mate. Mate, they loved this elephant. Its name was Trisha. There was like effigies on the side of buildings and stuff for her. They wanted to have a state holiday. I was like, man, you do things differently on the western side, don't you? But it is good to be back in the beautiful state of Queensland. We've got a lot to get through today. We will touch on a little bit of origin, as I mentioned, the greatest state of all just then. Uh, We've got to talk about cricket coming up soon, AFL, and a little bit of tennis as well. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Let's take a look at cricket to kick things off, Shano, and I feel like this tour has been going on forever. Australia and Sri Lanka. Too much cricket for my liking, but an absolute disaster finishing up the final test between the Aussies and Sri Lanka. I'll tell you what, mate, when you when, when you have been the subcontinent for a long time, uh, when you're winning, it's a fantastic place to play cricket. But I just feel the guys, after their performance yesterday, they are going to be looking forward to coming home pretty soon. <laughs> As we know, the Aussies scored 364, which is sort of a par score in the first innings. Uh, Sri Lanka went on to score 554. Mitchell Stark the best with four for 89. But the second is we just capitulated. Um, all out for 151. Warner, um, Kawaja and Lebeshane all getting starts, all getting around 30 runs. Smith, after getting 145 in the first innings, not out, got a duck. And it was um, the youngster, Jay Saray, who took 12 wickets in the, in the match, 1,278. And uh, Sri Lanka winning by an innings and 39 runs, so one all in the series. Yeah, and that was uh, that's the most from a uh, Sri Lankan debutante. There you go. Just yeah. stat there for you, mate. Big, big number. And um, I played against Jay Saray. I'm not sure whether they're related or not, um, but many years ago, he was more of a batsman, but bold left arm spin too. But, uh, yeah, 12 wickets on the boo, huge, huge effort. Now, uh, what does this mean for the cricket side moving forward, mate? Because obviously we are mad for alarm bells when we lose to a team we think we should have won. Yeah, look, look I think it's, it's one all in the series. We, we won't panic. Um, under Andrew McDonald, the coach, and uh, I think they're, they're a pretty sort of uh, level-headed team. That, that they won't sort of uh, – alarm bells won't be going off just yet. But 
that's the the way that things can happen in the subcontinent. You can lose wickets in big um, clumps and big patches. So you've just got to stem the flow. But yeah, after batting so well in both the first Test match and the and I suppose the first innings a little bit, we scoring three sixty four, just to uh, be bowled at one hundred fifty one is, um, is is not great. But I think we'll regroup for the third Test. Yeah, and they had a bit of troubles as well uh, with a few calls. A bit of a shocking LBW appeal uh, happened as well. Yeah, it was Mitchell Swepson bowling um, to Mendes, and uh, unfortunately we ran out of reviews. So you get so many reviews per innings. I think it's three. And if you use them all up, you don't get a chance. But it was, uh, yeah, it's one of those wickets um, that looked like it was definitely out. But saying that, we lost by an innings and 39 runs. So that, that decision didn't make any difference at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, let's have a look at tennis. I mean, Nick Kyrgios obviously going down to Novak, but he did keep his uh, keep his promise from his socials that he'd be hitting a nightclub out in London. <laughs> the big fella is out. Did you get an invite? I did get an invite. <laughs> I'll tell you what, but uh, the party scene in London after a tennis tournament and uh, and a sporting tournament is fantastic. So he was out at Dulce with his girlfriend, um, his sister, his physio and his agent and a Netflix crew, mate. After abusing the hell out of him in the box during the match, and I don't know if he abused the hell out of him. Get me a drink, will you, please? But uh, <laughs> now he's off to the Bahamas for a bit of a re- relaxation for a fortnight. Mate, relaxation would be good when you take home one point eight million dollars for yeah. getting into the Wimbledon final. My God! Yeah, big, big, big payday for him. And uh, look, I just hope we we're talking about this yesterday. But I hope, I hope it spurs him on to to do bigger and better things. He's never going to change, I think, as an individual. He just That's his nature. He blows up and he gets frustrated with himself. But mm. he clearly has the ability. And, you know, after when Djokovic won that second set, you say that's the first set he's ever actually taken off, um, Nick Kyrgios. So um, he has the ability to beat the best. Yeah, he definitely does. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Nick, but I mm, just think so that, I. I think that you know, it's – I've, to be honest, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this. I know you have probably covered it uh, uh, yesterday, but I really – it was really blatant watching the final how biased some of the commentary was against Nick. It's fascinating yeah. to see, and obviously it's a self-fueling, self-fulfilling pro- prophecy with how he behaves, but, geez, they don't really want to give him a leg up, and then you've got the camera on him the entire time. Like, you're getting what you want out of him. I think that some of the tennis world needs to take responsibility for the fact that you keep loving this fire and this flame. So stop <laughs> complaining about it because you'll just keep egging it on. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, remember the days when it was Pete Sampras playing. He oh. was a very good tennis player, but it was emotionless and it was pretty boring to watch. Dull. And uh, Look, I think there's a fine line, but look, definitely whenever he is playing, people turn the TV on and watch him, um, and that's what Nick's been saying himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> people like a bit of drama. I think he, he makes people feel better about themselves as well, but look, he's got the talent there, and um, let's hope he continues to do well. I think his new girlfriend's doing doing good things for him, mate, because he's uh, he's since he's seeing her, he's been playing a lot better. Oh, well, behind every great man, yeah. as they say, mate, as they yeah. say. Now, from one controversial figure to another, this time in the golfing world, Greg Norman. Uh, he's, he's a bit fired up at the moment after a petty snubbing. Well, Norman's been uh, not invited to the player champions dinner um, at St. Andrews. It's the 150th year this year. And I don't think, why would Norman even want to go, to be honest? I know he's won 
He won St Andrews in '86, and he ran uh, won Royal Georges in '93. And normally you'd get an invite to the champions dinner. Um, but when you're trying to undermine the whole <laughs> competition <laughs> itself, I don't think you're going to be that popular at the dinner anyway, are you? Yeah, it's an interesting one for, for Norman. I think the Opens have an interesting run here. Obviously, we're talking about that Live and PGA yep. rivalry. The Opens have an int- interesting run where they don't have to really pick a side because they're separate from the whole issue. They can let anyone mm. play. So I, I get what their logic is. They're like, we don't want the 150th year to be overshadowed by the fact of, oh, look who Greg's yep. talking to, blah, blah, blah. But in doing the snub, I mean, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And it's going to be the talking point now as well, uh, which is kind of ironic, to be honest. But you're right. I don't know why you'd even want to go, mate, because you're not going to be the most popular guy sitting at the table at the moment. Um, but as well, this golfing drama that's happening, mate, will mean nothing when American sport hits off with the NFL in about 60 days because yeah, no right. one's going to give us stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break, but stay with us because we'll be chatting NRL, AFL, and the World Game next. Let's have a look at AFL. And, geez, it's an interesting one at the moment uh, for the Sharon right now. A lot of battles happening. Top of the table, there's a battle. The bottom of the eight is there a battle as well. And a few upsets over the weekend really caused caused a bit of a reshuffle, Shano. Geelong now sitting up top. Sneaky contenders. We kind of forgot Geelong were floating around there. And Frio looking unreal this year. Frio looking fantastic. And there was one team that I think I underestimated at the start of the season. Um, but Geelong, normally they sort of drop off around this time of the year, but they are moving forward in leaps and bounds. Um, we all know to beat Melbourne, and convincingly too, they beat Melbourne, 91 to 63. But some really, really good matches this week. It was Sydney defeating um, uh, Western Bulldogs. That was a great victory from them. Mm. The, the real interesting game that I watched on Saturday afternoon was Collingwood versus North Melbourne. Oh. And North Melbourne, who we all know are the, are the cellar dwellers at the moment, they had a chance to beat Collingwood, and then they stormed home at the end to win 88-81. to 81. But yeah, some fantastic games of football. But look, it's really, really open at the moment. Um, Swans, as I said, sitting seventh on the table. Uh, Geelong at the top. It's really... Uh, this season's really up in the air. Melbourne are not the team that we thought they were going to be. No, and it's fascinating as well because, I mean, you've got the Suns with their win over Richmond also yep. like, trying to edge into that top eight. The interesting one for the Swans that I saw, a fascinating stat, is uh, the Swans have trouble winning during the day. A lot of their poor games have been happening in daylight. There's a fascinating little stat. And th- I think three of their last or four of their last few games are going to be played during the daytime. So wow, okay. <laughs> kind of hoping that they'll wake up when the sunlight's out. Uh, obviously, they got their win over the weekend. My guys, Carlton, uh, a little scare in the uh, second quarter, but managed to get up over West Coast. They to look keep good, their, didn't they? Mate, they, but they turn off. They turn off for a quarter, which is a bit of drama. Um, keeping things towards Collingwood, though, for a moment, um, we obviously remember the, the Do Better report that came out um, mm. about racism within the club, and it caused a lot of greats to leave, including Davis and Cracker. But now a lot of people start to return back to the club. Well, this is good. It's a good move from Collingwood. It's a good move from the AFL, and it's a good move by the two players as well that you talked about, Leon Davis and Andrew Cracker. Um, they basically have walked away from the club uh, since last April uh, after they claimed that nothing had changed after the Do Better report. Um, but Collingwood have now brought them back in as full-time employees to make some change, to stop racism, and uh, and I suppose to improve player experience at the club um, and hopefully on all football clubs. And uh, I think these two um, 
fantastic effort for them to come back in. And I know they, they were really hurt and, and frustrated with the club. But go back in, do the right thing and make a change. It's uh, it's a good thing from, from the players. Yeah, it's got to be a, a good tick of the box. You've got to be like, yep. they must be doing the right thing if these guys are coming back. So if That's they're right. confident in it, then I think the rest of us should probably go, okay, well, maybe they're doing the right thing. So I agree. it's a good thing to see there, some cultural change. Let's turn to the greatest game of all, NRL, <laughs> Rugby League. I'm annoyed that I'm going to be filling in for Tim over the next few days because it is looking grim for the Maroons. Now, we did win uh, against uh, New South Wales a couple of years ago with the worst Queensland team ever. But are yes. we staring down the barrel of another one of these scenarios for the Maroons with Munster out, our top player, and Dearden, a man who was rejected by the awful Broncos last year, who was leading a Cowboys team to second on the ladder. Is this the change that's going to help us or what's happening? I don't know, mate, but you're in a bit of trouble, I think. No oh. Munster. He's just a big, he's a big time player, isn't he? He, he stands up. He's, um, he, he just gets the job done. Look, a lot of effort now and, and focus goes on the Cherry Evans. And I just think with him, he's great when he's got the, the geniuses around him. But he seems unable to really lead a team to victory just on his own. Um, Deirdre, I think he'll do well. Will Sam Walker play, mate, do you think? Law, I don't think Sam Walker will get a start. Hey, from what I'm hearing, I think it's more going to be uh, – look, look, I don't think Sam's getting a start. He's definitely in the camp at the moment. The word yep. I've heard is because they had Walsh in as an 18th man mm. – uh, sorry, in the extended squad earlier in the year. And this is not nothing to be rude against Walsh, but apparently uh, the word from camp is that they seem to be a bit immature for the camp. Right. So they wanted to make uh, get some of these other guys in to see how they go as the extended squad for, okay. for down the track. Walker's obviously who they've got earmarked as a potential Haas replacement when mm. DCE leaves. The biggest thing I want to know is, is it, is it going to be Hunt and DCE um, and is it going to be Grant in at Hooker? That seems like the logical choice. So if Dearden's going to be sitting there on the bench to come on, uh, he doesn't strike me as a lock 5 no. fill-in. So he's obviously only going to fill that hooker role, and is it? I feel like defense is his, is his weakest part of his game. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know if this was the right call as a player to come on in. I mean, I get it. There's another Cowboys connection, but it's not like we we're not like the Blues where we've got all these Cowboys players littered through our squad in mm. key positions that he's going to connect with. So for mine, I don't I don't know, but it also just shows that for a weird time in the Maroons' history. We don't have an abundance of outside backs this time. We have an abundance of forwards. So, no, and, and I suppose State of Origin 2, you've got to be able to tackle. And as you mentioned, yeah. uh, Jaden's defence is not great, nor is Sam Walker's. But look, <laughs> if we can get – I think, you know, we want to bang on. People like to stir the fact that we claim the underdog status, but we are well and truly underdogs for this one coming <laughs> up in the Sun You're under another dog, yeah. Mate, honestly. Uh, so I think it'll be one of the greatest Maroons victories if we can lock up this decider at Suncorp Stadium. Paulo's been announced as going to be starting – for New South Wales, a great choice for Freddie Fittler as well. So that's going to mm. be exciting. Quickly, things to touch on. Uh, it looks like the Eels are going to be set to make Moses a, a eel for life. What do what we do think, think about, about that? that? Mate, I'm, I'm I, fascinating to me. It, yeah. The, the first thing I thought was, geez, it makes the Tigers look even more awful, doesn't it? Because they <laughs> let him go so long ago and chose the yep. Brooks train over the Moses train, and it looks like they made the dumbest decision ever by letting him go. 
And the money is what makes it fascinating to me. A five, five million dollar deal. Uh, it, Over five years, yeah. It's like a, a big thing in the US. They talk about market resetting contracts. That's a market resetting contract. If Moses mm. gets that money, imagine what these other guys are going to be asking for. Yeah, it's big. It's big dollars, and I just don't think um, Parramatta can keep the coach Arthur and Moses together. I, I just don't mm. see their their poles apart. I think the way they play and and coach and. Parramatta can beat the best teams, but then as we see, they, they lose games that they should win. So what, you think that maybe this Moses sign could be a sign that they're going to move on from Arthur? I reckon potentially, yeah. Fascinating. That'd be interesting to watch. Mm. Uh, maybe they can sign up uh, Scott Morrison, who apparently, according to rumours, <laughs> is trying to get the, one of the commission spots in the NRL. What well, is must happening? Be, is it a marketing spot? Is it the marketing spot? <laughs> Mate, how's <laughs> this? Marketing? You think that's nuts? You know on on, uh, on a certain betting company at the moment, you can uh, bet on what his next move's going to be and $151 mm. odds for him to be the next coach of the Bulldogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's sniffing around, isn't he? Um, anyway, enough NRL. Let's talk about the world game. This is uh, not a great story out of soccer in Mildura, Shocking, shocking scenes yeah. where uh, three people were sent to hospital and police even charged a 30-year-old man with assault. Yeah, horrible, isn't it? Three people gone gone to uh, to hospital. And, uh, yeah, I've seen soccer games in the past where um, the crowd get involved. And this used to be the case when, um, you know, the teams were like Sydney Olympic and that in Sydney and, and you'd mm. see uh, sort of racial uh, issues happening. Um, but this is just horrible in Mildura. It's a, I thought it was a bit of a sleepy town there. And, yeah. Uh, Three people in the hospital and a guy charged. Crazy stuff. Man, I'm, I'm so – I've got no time for people at, at sporting events, especially people in the crowd. Um, one, yeah. assaulting like referees. Abuse to yep. referees in local games is like ridiculous. It's like get mm. over it, mate, all right? Just you're playing in a game that's only going to serve you as a couple of stories when you're an old man at a, sitting in a bar and no <laughs> one wants right. to talk to you. So shut up. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it. it's like it's sports supposed to be fun. These type of people yep. ruin it. And then there's the same people that will complain because their favourite sport is struggling to get like members or mm. struggling to get players. So they've got no time for it at all. Uh, before we wrap up, though, mate, um, look, we'll keep it in the in the fight arena. Your war story, mate. Something to do with a bit of boxing? Yes, mate. So uh, this is many, many moons ago. A mate of mine decided to get into a bit of boxing. I won't say his name for obvious reasons once right. you hear this story. But uh, it was at Tattersall's on Elizabeth Street in Sydney, and it was – this was in the early 90s where he trained to have a corporate boxing match against, I think he was might have been competing against someone from KPMG or and one another one of the big corporates. Anyway, so he trained for six months and it's almost like, the, it used to be like the last bastion of male chauvinism where um, the girls would walk around with the, holding the numbers above the head, the guys would just eat red wine, oh, everyone's in a tux. And uh, my mate uh, was all pumped up to go in the fight and as he ran in, he tripped over the rope getting in and a Tory's cruciate ligament. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was booed out. Hang the bastard, they said. Wow. <laughs> so he, him out. he didn't throw a punch, but oh, uh, he man. said he trained very hard for six months. Oh. I need to fall over and tear his knee. Did anyone check that that knee was torn? Because maybe he was just a bit of a coward. <laughs> the other black did look quite big, by the way. <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today, so make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. But before we go, a big thank to our sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. Origin Wednesday, nervous, nervous mm-hmm. times for Queensland. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building resilience.
podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app.